Welcome to the Value Through Vulnerability podcast, and I'm your host, Gary Turner. Today, I had the absolute pleasure of welcoming Julie Starr from Starr Consulting onto the podcast. I first met Julie as she kindly contributed to some of the hashtag self-care weekly and Twitter chats that we set up um, a couple of months ago. I've been really interested um, in Julie's work, and unbeknown to me, I actually purchased one of her books, the, the Coaching Manual, uh, probably about a year ago, and I hadn't actually got around to reading it. So when I actually came across the fact that I was exchanging some, some tweets with, with the colleagues and, and with Julie on the Self-Care Weekly Twitter chat, it really prompted me to read that book, and I'm pretty much through the end of it now. Now, what's really, really inspired me about Julie is that this is, this is a lady that absolutely knows herself, lives and breathes her purpose, total alignment with who she is and what she espouses to, to the listener, I believe. Really, really impressive and, and really inspiring. I think it's also really interesting for me is that from a pretty young age, she'd always had a curiosity around the human condition, something that, you know, she got through, you know, alternative realms of thought, through alternative types of music. She's always been curious. And I think the word curious is used so much currently, and I think that's a really positive thing. It's almost like trying to go back to that child, childlike state of, of wonder and curiosity. Some of the other um, things I've really enjoyed about our discussion today was just the free-flowing nature of it. Um, I found Julie so easy to talk to. She has incredible wisdom, but from such a place of calm presence and belief. And, you know, I just really enjoyed uh, spending my time with Julie on this uh, podcast today. I will absolutely be doing my best to take her up on her offer of exploring some more of the other topics that, um, that she alluded to on this podcast. But I'll be quiet for now. Please, please dive in. Do let us know what you think. Um, I would give Julie feedback myself, uh, Julie or myself feedback, and you can find the contact details for Julie Star in the show notes. So um, I do hope that you enjoy this. Welcome to Value Through Vulnerability, a podcast dedicated to putting the human back into humanity. This morning, I am grateful to welcome Julie Starr onto the podcast. Morning, Julie. Good morning. Hello. Hello. Good morning. So how, how are you this morning? I'm really well. Yeah, looking forward to the conversation. Thank you very much. Well, look, thank you so much for joining me this morning. Um, the three rough areas that we, we touched on, on this podcast were around inclusion, self-awareness and vulnerability, just as sort of loose themes to, okay. that, that, that we, work, we work towards and work through. Um, just to get us going, would you mind giving the listeners a bit of an introduction as to who Julie is, what your background is, what your work area is, and also what drives you, what you're passionate about? Yeah, so I'm best known for my work in the coaching field, both as um, a practitioner, a, a leadership coach, and a writer, and a speaker. And I have um, a crew of people that coach, that coach in organizations, but also um, work to bring coaching into the culture uh, so we do a lot of training programs that help organizations to adopt coaching as a leadership style. Um, and one of my books supports that brilliant coaching. Um, my other books are the coaching manual, which is now in its fourth edition, which I think you have. I do. <laughs> <laughs> and um, the mentoring manual, just to, uh, to kind of complement that. So I have the coaching manual, which is aimed at coaches who want to become a coach. Um, I have Brilliant Coaching, which is designed for leaders, so it's a, it's a more bite-sized, pacey read. And then I have the Mentoring Manual, just to distinguish that whole activity of one-to-one -one work. So yeah, that's, that's me. I'm passionate about all of that. And what underpins that, which, which probably resonates more closely with the topic of this podcast, is um, an underpinning for all of that work of my own self-development and self-inquiry over, over many, many years, you know, since being a, a, in my late teens, consciously reading stuff in that whole field. So yes, I'm sure we've got lots in common, lots to talk about. No, absolutely. So did that, did that sort of inquire, that self-inquiry, did that start quite young for you? Can you remember the first time that actually happened when you started thinking, hey, I could be better at that, or actually, why does that happen? Was, it, was there something you can sort of remember noticeably? I, I remember being fascinated about life and what causes people to be happy, successful and fulfilled. And, and, and prevalently, obviously, you know, was my own 
journey of becoming happy, successful and fulfilled. Um, and I remember reading kind of alternative stuff and even listening to alternative music and getting into just weird realms of thought, I guess. You know, it was part of probably being a mixed up teenager, but then more uh, fruitfully once I, once I started to work in organizations and just, yeah, I've always been fascinated. Always gone on lots of training courses, weekends away, day events, you know, mind, body and spirit shows, stuff like that. Wow. That's really interesting because one of the things I've only recently been woken up to myself, Julie, is actually around the more spiritual aspect right. of the sort of self and not necessarily religiously, just from the sort of yeah. we're all connected angle. Yes. So I'm really interested to explore that a bit with you as we talk as well, because that's quite a recent revelation for me personally. So, okay. yeah, yeah, quite interesting all that. So in terms of the books you mentioned, cause I'm really interested if I can just touch on that, the mentoring. So you've, you've made a real distinction between yeah. the sort of a book for mentoring versus coaching and we see on Twitter don't we all of the time the discussion you know coaching versus mentoring what is that definition or the difference between the two for you just out of interest or how okay so to make it clear the it is it is really useful and practical to distinguish coaching from mentoring it's also useful to distinguish mentoring from managing mentoring from training mentoring from consultancy because all of those things in fact, have a close uh, resonance with the activity of mentoring. So um, for me, what defines mentoring is the quality and nature of the relationship. So if, you, if we go back to the original um, kind of inception of mentoring in, in Homer's The Odyssey, we see a relationship of an older person with a younger person um, mentoring somebody with a sense of benevolence and generosity towards that individual. And we see a younger person, it doesn't have to be a younger person, but typically it is. Um, we see a younger person having, having great respect for who is mentoring them. And that, that, for me, that dynamic of, or that synergy between um, respect and benevolence. So benevolence on the part of the mentor to the mentee and respect from the, on the part of the mentee to the mentor. That's what starts to really distinguish what we commonly recognize as mentoring. And it's a really easy access that we all have to, to this definition because if we think about our formative relationships when we're younger or even you know, within our career, when you look at those people that have had a mentoring impact on you, they might've been a manager, they might've been a teacher, um, but they might have been, I don't know, it could have been an older half-brother that visited. It could have been an uncle. It could have been an aunt. It could have been, you know, for me, it was the, a wise old man that lived at the end of our road that taught me to read and write aged four. Um, so, yes, I, 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 I do get enthralled by that whole field because I think what we've done is we've overcomplicated what is actually quite simple. And, and I understand why we've done that because within organizations mentoring is so incredibly useful the issue is when it's not cleanly and clearly distinguished it looks like managing it looks like training it looks sometimes like coaching but actually it, it i i would think that's the least of it is the corruption between coaching and mentoring because i think that's where the least harm is done let's say wow that's God, you've got, got me thinking already, Julie. Knew that there you happen. go. I knew that would happen. No, that's really interesting because you do hear so much. And I, I, in fact, you've now got me thinking about who's the best leader or the most, who's the one that's helped me grow the most. And, and I feel there's a combination of sort of peer-to-peer -peer almost mentors, so people that are yes. sort of of a similar psyche or different sector, yes. but also that, as you say, benevolent, someone that's got more experience than you. So yes. does, does that come in your book at all around the sort of peer-to-peer -peer angle? Or is it very much about the benevolent respect angles that of interest. So the, the book is designed for to to help organizations have more effective more productive mentoring schemes okay. so it's quite structured and it, as you would expect with me it's a bit like the coaching manual it kind of takes somebody through all of those formative stages it takes it, it goes through the principles that underpin mentoring it helps there's something in it called the mentoring path which is the journey of a a relationship from initiation to completing a relationship 
Um, so it's a, it's a practical pathway really that's designed for organizations to endure the barriers to mentoring, endure the pitfalls, the common things that go wrong, um, so that these schemes, you know, that the organizations spend lots and lots of money on to set up internally, um, that they don't derail, you know, after eight months, nine months, when people aren't clear why they're meeting, aren't clear um, what the relationship is about, are getting frustrated because their mentor seems to be wanting to manage them or vice versa, you know, the, the, the person that they're mentoring isn't, doesn't seem to be responding to treatment. Um, so it goes through all of those principles, the attributes of an effective mentor, the process of a, a, a typical setup. Um, so yeah, it, it's, it's a kind of Haynes guide, if you like, to mentoring. Well, that's brilliant. I've got, I've got to say, you know, your, your coaching manual, it, it is brilliant because I found that with the coaching part, you describing that as well, and also the fundamentals. Okay. And that's one of the things I wanted to ask you about, if I may, Julie, is... When you, when you look at in, in your book, The Coaching a Manual, you've got these, these core sort of principles or fundamentals yes. around coaching. Yes. And what really spoke to me is that you're looking at these things around sort of you know, asking effective questions, listening. They're very human fundamentals, aren't they? Yes. To some extent around coaching. Do you mind talking about that? It's, it's, a, it's almost like we're going, trying to get back to almost base humanity here to some yes. extent. Yes. And we talked about, you, you mentioned spiritualism earlier. There's... there's veiled attributes of Buddhism, Taoism in there that nobody ever really spots. But right. when, um, you know, that's why I write about the ego, because like you, I have a, I have a, a, a fundamental interest in, in connection to spirituality and, I've, you know, travel in India and meditate in caves and bathe in the Ganges and stay in ashrams and all those good wow. things. Um, and we should do a series of these talks and, then we, you know, we could really get into, you know, different areas that I think you'd, you'd like. Um, but anyway, back to your core topic. Underpinning, so I went into inquiry on all those base topics of relationship, uh, listening, um, the distinctions of an effective question, and in order to write about it, there's a saying, easy, easy reading follows hard writing, and, and for me that's true. So I have to go into, immerse myself into qualities of rapport, qualities of relationship. Um, how does the ego impact? And then my work is to distill that core wisdom into its simplest, purest form to make it totally accessible for a reader to think, okay, I get that. I, that resonates with me. And, and where I do a good job, I think that it's reflected in comments such as yours where you, you're reading it and you're thinking, this this isn't this isn't constructive theory. This is this is life truth about conversations and what works well between two human beings. Um, and so, yes, you do have to you, you have to go kind of deep on those subjects to come back up again and think right, distill that into its, its simplest form. Um, so, yeah, it's great that you're connected with that. Well, it's just it's, it's beautiful way you, you, you put that as well because. I guess for me, I say it's quite a new thing for me, this sort of accept, not even acceptance, the implication of how we are all connected. Because we talk about it, don't we? We're all connected. We want to be one, part of the team, whatever. But we're, we're very into it. The sort of system the last 150 years has made us very individual rather than collective. And yes. I think what I'm seeing and I'm really excited about with, with the work you're doing is actually this, you are making it easy for people to connect. So those that might be disaffected or those that actually want to have a better type of conversation this goes much deeper than just almost i don't mean just in the nicest possible way yes but, but outside of a business coaching relationship this is almost yes. life manual to some extent yes yes and these and these skills are communication skills you know wouldn't it be wonderful if we could dump the word coaching and just have this as a way of being um you know, in organizations sometimes, depending on what, what their mission is, we, we sometimes drop the label of coaching for the, for the training programs that we do and call it things like conversational skills or school, you know, skills for engagement because it's all the same stuff. It's all life skills. It's all humanity. It's all about bringing humanity back into the organization. And all the coaches that are listening to this will recognize that because that's what excites us all about the work that we do um, is that heart within the whole purpose of what we do 
and where organizations are mindy and they recognize now that they're mindy and they've gone you know off into the mire in terms of um you know over complicating over professionalizing overthinking situations and when you get people that are willing and brave enough and courageous enough to stand up and say you know let's get back to a basic here let's get back to a truth let's start being human beings that are interrelated um, on a really practical level again um, and, and taking the heart back into organizations because I think I think people are commonly recognizing that's what's needed no honestly I don't have much hair as you can see Julie it's, <laughs> it's, it's on its end because it's such a common theme isn't it like it's almost like the only people that aren't getting this yet are those that are in the positions of power whether it be the financial markets top of big corporations whatever so I wonder what's getting in the way you know it's a good movement it feels like you know there is definitely momentum around rehumanizing as you say the yes. sort of world of work humanity you know in your opinion you know let me go back a step what would you say with your coaching clients what what's the biggest barrier to clients you may work with or you have worked with in the past to getting this um well my clients fall into two categories sometimes my client is a want on a one-to-one -one basis and we have chemistry meetings to set that up and so i tend to work only with people that i think are ready for a deeper form of inquiry um, ready to confront some blocks barriers you know, they might be an, at an intersection, life or career, or usually both. And, and so the people I work with on a, on a coaching one-to-one -one level are already there, or so I wouldn't be working with them. Um, and, you know, because the chemistry meeting goes both ways. Um, with, when we start to take in training programs, development programs, we're dealing, it's, it's a, you know, it's a crew of people we're dealing with in terms of it's not just the, the HR director or the L&D director, it's, it's the people in the operation around that. And so our work is to, is to slowly tread a path to engage people towards an acceptance and realisation. And so I think what I'm saying is we have gatekeepers that's, you know, that throw gates wide open for us and then it's our it's our work to foster and garner support and a voice and goodwill and intention and we you know so we might we might do master classes to open ourselves up into an organization or we might do um, a small one-day workshop for people to start to realize okay this is super relevant mm -hmm. it sounds it sounds like it might be something disassociated from our three-year plan or our vision and strategy or our need to restructure or whatever it might be. Um, and now we're seeing it as an enabler behind what we already want to do. And when you can start to make that dovetail joint type link, then you've got some momentum and some tr traction. So I, I guess in summary, it's to say, you know, we, we hope to get into the conversation to evidence the relevance and the impact of what we do. And then the reason why we have such longevity in terms of our client relationships is that becomes a movement. It becomes a groundswell. It becomes a, a, a fire that gets um, ignited and then fueled by those within the organization. Some of our greatest cynics have become our biggest advocates and supporters in, in some very large organizations. I've seen that. It's wonderful when that happens. That's, would you mind speaking about one of those examples of, you know, what, what did you go from and to just as, just as an example, just briefly, you know, what did it look like? Yeah. Um, let me pick one. So we did a qualification program for, um, for a logistics company uh, and one of their senior team, we started, it was wonderful because we got to start with the, uh, the directorate level. And one of them was really vocal, even on the first morning, probably about 90 minutes in. Um, this style, this less directive style isn't, isn't relevant. People expect me to tell them what to do. Um, I'm an expert in my field. I haven't spent 30 years get, getting to this point without you know, wanting to draw upon that knowledge and experience, etc. And we, we always take a, a non-combative um, stance with this and we just, say okay stay with it stay with it have the conversations 
see what you think, keep going through the practice sessions and let's talk at the end of the day. And he did go quiet towards the end of that first day. And there was a couple of days at that first, in that first module, he did go quiet. And then at the end of the module, he, he declared himself a bit more intrigued. And there was a reading list on the, I remember there was a, a recommended reading list as there often is on our quali uh, qualification programs. And he ended up reading Eckhart Tolle, um, The Power of Now. And there was something about the, and he chose it himself from the list. You know, we gave a list of about nine or 10 books and said, check them out on Amazon. We've got a, a small synopsis of what each one is, but you select. And I think because we, we created the context for him in terms of the event, we put no pressure on him in terms of having to prove our way, his way. There was no our way and his way. We didn't have that. We were simply facilitating his thinking. We had our offering and we, we facilitated his thinking. And then his ability to self-select his reading and then just starting to be awakened a bit by a master such as Eckhart Tolle. By the time he got back to the next module, he'd complete, and I actually, I heard from the training manager between because she called me up and she said, you wouldn't believe him. He's now, he's doing his practice sessions. He's doing his reflection notes. He's reading Eckhart Tolle's Power of Now. And there was no time at which that gentleman ever had to eat his words. There was no time at which he ever had to declare, I had a real go at you on the first day. Cause he was pretty vocal. Um, and I want to apologize. He didn't have to. There was no apology needed, nor necessary, nor ever came, or it wasn't that kind of turnaround. It was just a complete delight to see him find his path and follow his own breadcrumbs in terms of his learning and inquiry and have realizations that, that you know, were really formative in terms of who he was as a leader. So yeah, he did. He ended up going out into the organization when we were doing, when we started to move down levels in the organization in terms of the, the events. He ended up going and, and getting hold of people and saying, you should go to this. You should get on this. If you get a chance, jump on this program because it's really powerful. So, yeah. That, that's, that's incredible, Julie. Do you know what's really jumping out to me as well? I've learned through reading your coaching manual at this point, really important point that I hope listeners take on. Don't try and fix other people. Mm. And I am an absolute bugger for trying to fix people. And I've only, that reflection came from your book so thank you for that and it's really something i've been reflecting on the last couple of weeks around this it's not over it's not deliberate i'm not trying to say i know everything but i just want it to be good you want it to be better so i get excited i try and help them then you're like you're not helping them do it themselves and what you've just shown there for me is a total love and care for that person they didn't need to apologize because that would have been your ego wouldn't it that needed the apology oh totally yeah no it was just a delight an absolute delight yeah. It's really powerful, really powerful. So no, yeah, that, that fixing things really landed with me. So thank you for that. Yeah. Um, in terms, I can't let go. We're talking about inclusion, vulnerability. I'm hoping that people are hearing these themes anyway. I don't necessarily want to go, oh, we now need to talk about inclusion because I think that's a little bit fake. So yeah. I want to stay with these practice sessions because there's, the, there's a lot around that at the moment as well. If I look at, there's a business called Next Jump. I don't know if you've heard of it, a software house in London. And they've set up and they're, you know, they've grown tenfold exponentially in the last five years from 250 million to 2 billion in, in five years. But they're, they're, they're totally, totally based on a culture. So what they have, they have what's called the developmental gym, where they yes. can practice what they call their backhand. So it's a, yes. it's a safe space to practice yes. public speaking, to practice mm -hmm. negotiation, wherever it might be. Yes. And you spoke about practice sessions there that you set up. Can you talk a bit more about that? What do they look like? How... Yeah. Um, I guess that are they inclusive? How do you how do you set those up? Um, in various ways, usually in twos or threes, we we do lots of demonstration at the front of the group because people like to watch conversations that that look relevant in terms of you know if I'm in a retail sector or an IT sector or a professional services sector, I want to see these skills demonstrated as relevant to my context. So we, we, we learn about people's organizations. By now we kind of know those sectors, but um, we'll learn distinct conversations that might be happening or you know, vernacular acronyms, things like that. And we do lots of demonstrations that help people get into that mode of, 
active this is a mo mobile event we, there's some movement here and there's some discussion and there's some stuff where you know there's some bite-sized theory input then we're talking about that then we're watching it then we're going and practicing it ourselves and that flow has people feel more comfortable to think okay um let's have a go at this and we make it you know we we have this saying you can only get this right so go go and have a go you can only get it right and see what comes up and you know in um when we when we st when we start to unpack the skills of, of coaching, we we you know we might do a try what we call a triad session where you've got two people speaking and one watching and observing, and there is some apprehension about that, but you know people generally get over that pretty quick, um, and whatever happens is useful, even if it's a complete um, mess up really a muck up. It's it's still useful because everybody gets something. And so we have a witness position and then we have two people having some kind of dialogue and we do have a press pause button, which says anybody at any time can press pause um, and think, Oh, you know, this isn't working. Do I have to get good? It's like, okay, let's start again, start from this place. And then, you know, we have the facilitators that are roaming around the room to, to support people and to demonstrate and to get people um, going again, if they've got stuck. Um, but there is, so whilst that is uncomfortable for some people and can potentially challenging when we read the feedback afterwards that's where people really start to learn because it's where the rubber hits the road it's where people start to embody it rather than just sit and nod or sit and shake their heads or it's where they literally get it in their minds and their body of this is how it feels you know because we'll, we'll comment on posture we'll comment lean forward lean back put shoulders down shoulders up breathing up here down here um and so people can start to really start to embody it and start to learn for themselves and start to see how they can use it. Because by the end of the event, what we're not trying to do is, is you know, cookie cutter everybody into a certain shape. It's, it's to say, look, of everything that you've been shown, what's, what's going to be most useful to you? Where can you use it? How would you use it? And you give people time and space to reflect, to start to integrate the learning with reality to say, okay, right here, right now. You know, we've had people come back in on, on from lunch break or afternoon break and say, I just had a phone call where I've been coaching my guy and I couldn't, and I did it with two questions and the turnaround in what would have normally happened on that call to what just happened is phenomenal. And when you get those, that's, those are real wins because then you've got somebody that's hungry for what you're offering. Um, yeah, it's great. It's cool. You're, you're clearly so passionate about what you do. It's very, very infectious. I talk a lot. I talk a lot. No, it's, no yeah. it's, it's, it's super infectious. Just, just, just out of interest, if you were going to look at, some, just to come back to sort of a, a bit of a theme of the podcast, so in terms of vulnerability and the importance of that in a coaching yeah. set, setting, is yeah. it important? Is it not? What does vulnerability mean to you? Can you just speak about that a little bit from your, from your side? Yeah, it builds from trust. So... So if I, if I think about my, well, vulnerability it was in that last example, wasn't it? And so it's up to my guys to build a climate in that room of trust, support. Um, you can only get it right. Um, we never go toe to toe with anybody. We don't argue. Nobody ever sees us fall out with it. You know, it never becomes trainer versus student. It, it just doesn't ever happen. It's all level. Um, and because because it's set up in that way and because we're willing to demonstrate and be vulnerable ourselves and take, you know, people take pot shots as us to what we've just done. We, we, we engender that and that within that climate, um, that's how we encourage people that it's okay to be vulnerable. And also in the facilitated discussions, you know, the, the open questions, cause my guys are all coaches. So they're coaching us as they're facilitating that, you know, they'll use open questions with individuals that, that are um, discussing stuff. So it is about engendering trust. I think, and this is where the, um, if we flip to the subject of one-to-one -one coaching and creating a space where it's okay for somebody to be vulnerable, I think you can over effort that because it's a lot about the relationship. It isn't, it isn't created by saying, 
trite phrases like anything you say is confidential, nothing goes any further, I won't be discussing this with HR, I'm signed up to the EMCC code of conduct that says this. It's just not engendered by that stuff. That's just rules. Um, I tend to not even talk about that. People just seem to get, they can trust me and they know um, that I care for them and I will protect them and um, I would never say anything about them outside of the room that I wouldn't be willing for them to hear. So I think that comes in the humanness of the interaction. What I caution coaches against is encouraging other people to be vulnerable by sharing your own vulnerability, because I think that's a mistake. Okay. And I, know that's a, I know that's a clear definition. So I, I, I the reason I'm saying it's a dis and obviously there are exceptions to every rule. Um, the reason why it's a mistake is it shifts the dynamic of the relationship. It shows a potential weakness that can demean a coach in the sight of the other person. Um, especially where, you know, you're dealing with senior executives and leaders and, you know, if you tell them you've had a breakdown yourself and, um, or you've gone through clinical depression or you're just off Valium or whatever it might be, it just doesn't ring right, does it? Because, and also the other thing to, to note from those is then the conversation starts to become about you yes. and not about them. Yeah. And then they've got this listening for you of she, he, they've had a breakdown or she, he, they had an alcohol issue or, you know, you could, it, 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 it's, unless you are actually fronting that as part of your brand to say, I am a reformed alcoholic that worked, you know, that worked at the top level in organization. I now work with drink dependency in large organizations. Then that becomes part of your brand. Yes. Yeah. But the other type just starts to sound like gossip or, inappropriate conversation interesting how does that sound to you no it's, it's interesting it's, it's a different angle as well but i guess my, my my interest in this in this area is my own sort of vulnerability journey over the last sort of couple of years but what i'm realizing so i'm a bit of an open book if you haven't seen that already yes but what i learned actually with um, jenny anderson actually on a podcast earlier this week actually spoke about vulnerability and how actually you can be too vulnerable. And I think that's sort of what you're talking yes, about that's as well. What I'm yeah. Yeah, I think I think you can be human. Yeah. And and to comment on you see, what what you're doing in organizations is is more that it's become your brand to do that. And it doesn't and because it becomes um it becomes more generalist. So you're not, you're not suddenly um, offering a confidence in a meeting that says, and by the way, I used to be an alcoholic myself, or, and by the way, I know what this is like because I got violent in a meeting once and, and punched somebody out, or whatever it might be. It's not a, yours isn't a me too mm. sharing. Yours is a, a declaration to say, I have this personal journey I've been on that is informing me and what's in, what's what happening is it's becoming it's created some wisdom with me which helps me to share that wisdom with others but there's a distinction between the work that you're doing and you and your history so it's yep. not it doesn't so your work doesn't become about you and the story of you it becomes about the wisdom that has been gleaned on that path and your references don't have to be deep and dark, which is what I'm saying is a mistake. Yeah. They, can be, they can be trite and almost oblique to say, yeah, I had three years out with this, so I know. You know, some years ago that happened to me. So you can kind of box it, park it, reference it. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, make, make, no it makes perfect sense. It's really helpful, actually. It's an interesting point. Helpful for me as well, personally, actually, looking at connecting those dots. So thank you for that. No, yes. really, really good. Really, really good. Just out of interest, do you have a coach today? Um, I, I may ask. <laughs> no, no, I don't have a coach. Uh, I have my team and they coach me. We coach each other. 
Right. Uh, they've all been with me for at least 10 or 15 years. Some, one of them has been with me almost 20. Um, so we coach each other. The, what I have is a personal practice. So I go, as I mentioned, I go on lots of courses. I read stuff. I listen to a lot of audio books these days, which are fantastic. Um, I have my meditation practice. I have my reflection writing journals. Um, so I have, I have support around me in, in physical form with my guys. My own path of learning and, and inquiry endures. And I have a practice that, that is focused on well-being. And that includes everything from sleep to eating to exercise, to light exercise, I'll say. Um, you know, to more spiritual practices in terms of meditation and chanting and all that good stuff. Brilliant. Brilliant. Yeah. Well, look, just for any listeners, so, so we sort of came across each other at first because of the self-care weekly Twitter chat that you've kindly contributed to a couple of times. And yeah, it's just fascinating. Fascinating. It's just amazing how this world connects these. Back to the point about connection though, isn't it, Julie? That's the point. All is one. Yeah, all is one. Still getting my head around that. <laughs> well, that's because you're using your head to get around it. <laughs> somehow <laughs> yeah, not, it's not a head thing no well this has been my massive learning with this retreat I've been on not far from you uh, near Henley a month ago with, uh, with Piers Thurston where it's just this this beautiful clarity that you know we're basically a vessel for the source whatever you want to call that yes to, to, to live that human experience and once you get that it's just like so I will mention this because I think it's, it's useful so when I had my mental health challenge a couple of years ago, and it wasn't a big one, you know, I'm not trying to demean, demean it in yeah, any way, but it was just yeah, yeah. like, oh, bang, 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 bang. Yeah. What I now know, Julie, which I didn't know a month ago, every aspect of what layered up in my head was my own thoughts. No one had told me I wasn't good enough. No one told me I wouldn't be successful. All of the noise in my head that went bang, bang, bang for six months, and I went, was in my own head. There's nothing outside at all, totally inside. And that, that clarity is just beautiful. It's perfect. Like, it's totally calming. It's weird. So yeah. calming. It um, comes back to that truth. It's a Byron Katie uh, truth. Don't believe everything you think. Mm. Yeah. No, it's lovely. But no, you just, you just spark that in me. Because that, that, again, that's just, it's just that clarity of yeah. actually, what, why, why are you overthinking all this stuff? Yeah. And, so, and, yeah. and the practice... The practice is always towards still mind. This is the back to Eckhart Tolle again. Um, the, the mind is the source of all the illusory perspectives we have about the world, ourselves within the world. You know, this Maya that the Sufis talk about, this illusory sense we have of this physicalness, the reality, the reality of us. Um, is, you know, it's the source of all suffering. That's why, that's why Buddha would say the ego is the source of all suffering. And it, it absolutely is. You know, your mind will drive you nuts. It's, it's a wonderful servant and a terrible master. What a lovely phrase. Yeah, oh, damn. I was going to coin that as a duly start, 8th yeah. of August, 2018. No, it's for, I don't know who that <laughs> is. The, the mind is a wonderful servant, but a terrible master. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's, that's awesome. So, so would you, so when we talk about things, this is something I'm still learning and please challenge me on this, Julie, as well. So, you know, this whole podcast is about vulnerability, self-awareness, inclusion. Yes. I think they are all things, but I'm just getting from you as well. And I've heard this elsewhere that they're, they're more sort of symptoms. They're sort of, they're not really things in themselves to some extent, are they? In, in, in a way. So yeah. Say some more about that. What, what part things? So as in like, vulnerability as a sort of construct yes sort of it comes from somewhere doesn't it i guess it's not actually it's not actually a thing per se it's yeah. sort of a yes. creation of some, some sort and everybody will have their own definition of vulnerability mm. you know with some people when their body types that for them will be a physical vulnerability you know for somebody that's more mindy it's, it's, you know, it's the fear of anxiety, it's the fear of stress, it's the fear of losing control, it's the fear of overwhelm. Um, because we all relate to the world differently. So yes, vulnerability is a, is a, is a concept, isn't it? They're all, I guess they're all concepts. Um, but they're useful in that they give us a place to begin in terms of our in inquiry and discussion. 
But in the end, it's all self-inquiry. It's all self-inquiry. We can't, and we do that together, you know, so it's wonderful. You know, you provoke me, I provoke you. I'll have a formative thought or insight. I'll go away from this conversation and have some more thoughts. But actually, I'm still by myself, aren't I? I'm still, it, it's all self. It's all self. Which is really fascinating, is when we had these chats on Self-Care Weekly, like, so many people feel guilty about the self-care aspect, giving themselves time. They feel bad for that. They should be giving it to the kids, to the dog, to the friends, to the family, to the work colleague, to the boss. And there seems to be this sort of, it's really interesting. People find it really hard to sort of give themselves that time, it appears. To some extent. And, and again, that's the ego, um, to demean themselves in relationship to other people or to try and be a good person by pleasing other people. Um, it is an untruth to, to, you know, to think that we are less important than our family, our friends, or, you know, it, we have to operate in order to, in order to be the greatest contribution, the greatest gift of the greatest service to those around us. We must first serve ourselves. You know, it's that old adage about, you know, on the airplane, pull down your own oxygen mask first, you know, help yourself before trying to help somebody else, basically. And, and there's no, there's no getting around. I don't think there's many situations where it doesn't serve the greater good to serve yourself first. It just doesn't, you know, we end up down blind alleys, dead ends, cul-de-sacs, so, you know, up and down the wrong trees. It's simply because, you know, well, I, I did it for this. I did it for them. I did it because it was good. It made me feel like a good person. But it doesn't because it makes you feel tired and fatigued and resentful. And when we build up all those types of situations, then we're just moving a problem. You know, there's only, you know your body will have the last word every time. Mm. God, I think by the, anyone listening to this, I think can be ringing you up some coaching sessions, I feel. <laughs> <laughs> I certainly will be. Yeah. So uh, just out of interest, what, what's exciting you the most right now? What, what's going on in your world that excites you the most right now? If you could pick one thing, if you're happy to share that. Could be um, work, could be personal, could, could, could be a travel coming up. Well, I, I, I am excited personally because I've moved into a new house. I got divorced a couple of years ago and I'm at that lovely stage of the whole process where... I've got my I've got my new house. It's a beautiful home. I'm starting again. It's having me look at the the world with fresh eyes, and um, just because I've got possibility back of you know freedom and choice and all those great things, and that is starting to um, marry to my work. It's a strange. You, uh, word to use isn't it when I'm talking about divorce um, but it's starting to marry to my work because obviously my work is an expression of who I am and what I'm doing so I'm starting to notice that my avenues of interest is the work I want to create or the materials I want to create for people I'm noticing that that is is shifting and shaping and so for example I want to I want to come out more clearly as creating leadership in our field and, and being a more a champion for um, these deeper, perhaps more spiritually connected conversations. Um, I'm willing to be a bit more bold and a bit more, more open about that. And I don't think I ever wasn't unopen. It was just, it hasn't been part of my brand to do that. So yeah, I, for me personally, it's a hugely exciting time. I see reflected around me opportunity because I think there is a growing listening and it could be from a groundswell of frustration. It could be from a, a, an acceptance of, of what, you know, what we're doing or what we have been doing isn't working anymore. And so there's time, it's time for change. You know, when I see things like the Me Too movement or the women in business movement, I think, gosh, women are starting to have much more of an empowered voice. And in terms of the quality and attributes they bring to organizations, that's very exciting for me. It goes back to our conversation about hearts versus head. So I think we bring a lot in terms of empathy and relationships and, and just emotional resilience in a different way. So I think it's a hugely exciting time for anybody to be a practitioner in this field. And I, and I would say to anybody listening, please let go of any, any form, conversations that come to you in the field of scarcity or lack or hardship or, or stress and pressure about being a practitioner in what we do 
because that will only take you down into the dark spaces really um please know that from my perspective and i have a good broad perspective on on a lot of organizations it's our time it really is right. it's really our time and please focus on that you know see yourselves as as light workers in that sense whether you are whether you are um a coach professionally or not, whether you have labeled and bannered yourself as a one-to-one -one worker, whether it be a mentor, um, a coach, a trainer, any of that, what, you know, you could simply be a leader listening to this thinking, I have different thoughts about the way I want to lead and I'm not sure my organization is respect, respectful or receptive to that. Please, that's your own fear talking because it's your time too. Wow. These little hairs going up on their end again. Really, you've, done it, you've done it again. But no, but you've spoken straight to my soul, to be honest with that, because my organisation is starting to get it, which is great. great. It's, been a, it's been a couple of years coming, but I think there's other people in the network. I met this wonderful guy, Rich um, Cooper, the last couple of weeks, who works at an insurance company down here in Bournemouth. Yes. Yeah. But, but you look on his business card, and it says fraud. It says technical analyst. It doesn't say, oh. doesn't sell passion, doesn't say passionate about helping people grow. Yes. I think for me, one of the big things as well, linked to what you're saying, Jill, is around how do we almost just not only break the hierarchy, but let's just, let's just rip up job titles and throw them away and start yeah. seeing the human being for who they are and what they bring. Yeah. Do you see and that I, all in your work? I, I do. And I see these great startups where I see, we've been doing some work with a company called King, which are the um, organization that built Candy Crush. Don't start me on that one. I've lost too many hours to that. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> and they are a wonderful, wonderful organization that think differently. They're sassy. They, they just come at things differently. And they're not the first people. It's just recently. They're just a complete delight in their willingness to throw, throw away a rule book and do things in a... And it might be funky and it might be trendy and it might have all that kind of youth element to it that people might think, well, that's just youth, but it's not. It's not. It's got real, just clarity of purpose, and and it speaks to that new agenda. I think of doing things differently, and I think increasingly there are firms like that. You know, when I when I look at anything, whether it's, um, you know, the swell water bottle providers, or you know, all, all these different kind of niche startups that are, that are happening, people want to do different, differently. Um, they want to do business differently. And I think that's a, that's an exciting time. That's are you seeing that in terms of you and your sort of network, your your, your you know the colleagues you work with, Julie? Are you seeing that theme, that trend, regardless of size of organisations, so whether it's a startup, whether it's an SME? Are you even seeing this in some of maybe the slower to turn sectors as well? That this there's just this general. I'm seeing. I'm, I wouldn't say I'm seeing it in the larger organisations per se. What I am seeing is. There is increasingly, we find, it's increasingly straightforward to find stakeholders in organisations that are resonating with our themes. So people that we are able to speak our simple truth to and they get it and they like it. Um, and it, it's a bit like I was saying before, it becomes this emergent kind of organic process of, of starting fires and then connecting fires um, and i'm seeing increasingly that but we're able to simply be who we are and um go in with care and compassion not not in a in a you know tea and sympathy type way but just a, a humanness a heart a kindred spirit type of approach to situations and having some real integrity of purpose around that and it really resonates really quickly with people so so there is definitely some shift whether it be shifting consciousness or uh, the times are changing, I'm, you know, maybe it's a, a cyclical thing. I don't know. I don't know. But I just, I'm noticing it. Oh, that's, that's wonderful. And just, it's cyclic, is, is it cyclical? I'm not, not even sure. I just, I guess we haven't been here, have we? It's been, you know, I don't think it can be cyclical. I, I just don't think it can no, be. No, I, I don't get that feeling at all. It's either. emergent. Something is emergent, isn't it? Cool, dear. How, I'm gonna, how are you doing for time? Because I haven't talked to you for another three and a half days, Julie. So <laughs> how, how are you doing for time? What, what are I'm, we... I'm okay. I'm just conscious your listeners might, might have a partitioned an hour for this. Or <laughs> let's, uh, no, let, let's keep going. I think if they, if they can okay. deal with us, they can deal with us. Okay. It's, it's too good. Let's make the most of it if you've got the time. 
So you spoke about speaking truth when you go into organization, you speak your truth as Julie Starr Consulting. What does, what does that mean? What does that look like? It means being willing to say what we see is wrong and not working and not to be sycophantic around a situation where we just can't countenance it. You know, where, where an agenda might be subtly corrupted or... Um, or the reason just the reason behind doing something won't land or it's a bit like so I'll try and make it into a, a more relevant example say for example we're helping set up a mentoring scheme and we can tell immediately that we get in that this mentoring scheme isn't actually about mentoring people it's about bolting on another layer of managing because perhaps a, a, an organisation has gone to matrix management or they're the guys are too busy, maybe they're international based and the managers never get to see the subordinates. So they have this kind of elastoplast sticking plaster on. And, and, and the way that that might corrupt a mentoring uh, process would be that the mentor might be set up or asked to give feedback on the person they're mentoring, which you can see the immediate corruption of the relationship there in that you might be mentoring me, but I know all the time that you're mentoring me that you might be passing some feedback, some performance type feedback back to HR that says, this person is absolutely great for to go on in terms of talent development, or this person's probably reached their, their own ceiling. Um, and so, it's just one example, because it's, it's almost a recent example. Um, it's a willingness not to be involved with that. It's a willingness to say, that's, you know, I hear you, and that's not mentoring. Um, you you're going to corrupt the integrity of the relationship. These, are, these relationships cannot endure if that's the way it's set up. If you want to call the role something else as a, as a matrix manager and put some conversational skills around that and some boundaries and some clarity and, and make it useful in that context, then that's fine. But let's not bastardize mentoring into such a way that it becomes it becomes something that's almost sinister in an environment. That's, have you ever found that you've had to walk away from cl potential clients because of a misalignment in maybe what your beliefs are or, or the principles of, of your approach, or you've always found a way to sort of serve, a, serve someone to some form of end? There are client organizations that I've refused just by the nature of the organization. So we've, we've had approaches from people where I've said, no, I won't work with that. I know of that organization. I won't work with them. Just right. because of what they do. Um, more ordinarily, if it, it, again, it comes down to stakeholders because, you know, organizations are a, a village of individuals, aren't they really? That are a, yeah. a town. Um, and it might come down to a stakeholder, but rare, rarely can I think of things where we have had to walk away. And I know, I know we would be willing to, and I know we have we've kind of closed down avenues of, you know, options of going further with the organizations where we just haven't felt good about the work. So, but we tend to do that more gently, softly, mm -hmm. um, rather than wanting to open up conversations, we close down conversations. Um, but my guys all know that we have that integrity. So we, I know they know we would be willing to, and because we have those conversations. I, I think it's really powerful for me because for this way, I've only known you for an hour. Judy properly and like you just completely exude to me you know truth and honesty and integrity for what that's worth so thank you for sharing that really really, really really clear to me so yeah. well look let, let's look to wrap up because you've got you've got a day job you've got to do and I'm sure that people would listen to you forever like I would but um I've got a question for you okay do, do you think anybody can be a coach um Yes, and some people are naturally better coaches than others. Mm -hmm. um, coaching is such a broad activity. You know, we have this label and it's a whole spectrum of intentions and behaviours and situations that get set up. So, you know, if you, if you look at um, somebody's husband that's a part-time coach for a bunch of teenagers on a football pitch every weekend 
Um, could everybody do that? No, but that's, a, you know, that's coaching. Could everybody, you know, go into the highest levels of organization and, and encourage someone to go into deep life-changing self-inquiry? Probably not. That's, that, that could be in a different place on the spectrum. Can everybody do some kind of coaching and it make a difference? Absolutely. Absolutely. With the, with the right will and intention, yes. And, and I'll work to, to um, upskill managers and leaders in organizations of all types, in all sectors, you know, from manufacturing to luxury retail. We, we cover it all and it works and we can get it working, whether it's on the line or in Park Lane, literally. Um, yeah, yes. That's lovely. Wonderful. And I think it's, it just wraps up beautifully, I think, our discussion today, Judy. It does come back to this. We're all connected. You know, we do all care about each other. We might not think it, depending on what the media is telling us, but ultimately we do. And we've all got the capacity to help yeah. each other. So yeah. I just love that. I love that. It rings true for me. Good. So look, how can people get hold of you, Julie? If people want to reach out to you, sort of social media, websites, other... Um, other well, websites? I am a Twitter arty, so I'm on there. Um, my website is starconsulting.co.uk, S-T-A-R-R, uh, Star Consulting. And obviously I've got my Amazon page for my books and I'm also on LinkedIn. I'm a LinkedIner. Brilliant. Well, I'll add all of these to the show notes anyway, references Thank to the you. books and also to your, to your website, etc. So thank you very much. I guess yeah. I should say depart, but I may well come back on your earlier suggestion of multiple podcasts to explore other areas. So we'll, we'll see how much I've damaged you um, after this chat <laughs> another day. Yeah, no, I'd enjoy doing this again. Yeah, absolutely. Let's do it again at some point. Lovely. Thanks a lot for your time, Julie. All right, Gary. Have thank a great you. day. Cheers. Bye-bye. Hi there, just your host Gary Turner wrapping up the spectacular podcast with Julie Starr today. Just wanted to share a few of my key reflections. One of my favourites was actually around the fact that Julie sets up what she calls a chemistry meeting in advance of doing any one-to-one -one coaching. This is really, really powerful for me because if you think of it from a recruitment point of view, how many times do we hire against values or how much do we genuinely hire people for fit or for potential or for opportunity? Still too often, I believe, we still recruit people to fit a box, to fit a structure that potentially is actually out of date rather than seeing the innate potential that somebody may well have. So what if we completely flipped recruitment and talent and looked at it from a chemistry point of view? How well will these people react together once they're in, in this organization rather than trying to the merry old dance of uh, recruitment? So quite an interesting challenge and reflection there for me. I really enjoyed hearing Julie talk about focusing on the heart within the whole purpose of what we do, really speaking to the fact that you know, the organization is a system. You know, organizations are made up of human beings. The human beings actually make up the system and therefore we need to be tapping into those human beings much more effectively. And I really liked Julie's comments around the fact that it appears that organizations or those that lead organizations have sort of overcomplicated um, the world of work progressively over the years. Um, and it really does feel like, and I share Julie's view, that we're actually moving back to a much more human-centered um, style of, of work and leadership going forward. This makes me smile and, and makes me think also of Claude Silver, who's the chief heart officer at um, Gary Vaynerchuk's and VaynerMedia. She's, she's very vocal around um, you know, leading from the heart, which is, which is fantastic. I also enjoyed learning about the, the practice sessions that Julie and her colleagues set up. I particularly like her statement around that you can only get it right. And you know, there's something really powerful around that, which is you, know, you can still make mistakes, um, but ultimately you can only get it right. Um, so in the, in the end, you know, you're, you're always moving forward. And I just think there's something really, really, really pos positive in that and an additional comment around whatever happens is useful. I think that's such an important um, reflection, especially if you're looking at experimentation, you're looking at iteration, you're looking at just trying to take incremental steps forward. We can, can't we, at times be um, paralyzed through fear or through you know, lack of certainty. And I think that's a really, really powerful reflection for me. Also, a couple of quotes to share, but also I think it's worthwhile in, in these reflections. One from Byron Katie, 
and I don't believe everything you think. And my God, does this speak straight into me? You know, I mentioned in the podcast around my own mental health on Challenge a couple of years ago. That was totally because I believed everything that I was thinking. Totally, totally, 100%. Had I not done that, I definitely would not have had the challenge that I had. I found that really, really interesting. I also enjoyed um, learning about Julie's interpretation of, of vulnerability. So and it was also interesting to hear that whilst, yes, things like vulnerability, self-awareness, etc., are to some extent created, they are constructs, Julie does see it as being a good place to start the discussion around trying to move people to a more spiritual understanding of the human experience. So that's, you know, that's been a helpful connection of the dots for me. So I, th I think, you know, move, moving forward, and, and my final comment on, on the wrap-ups, is just around this, you know, amazing call to action, you know, to quote Julie, it is our time as coaches, see yourself as the light workers. That's an absolutely fantastic call to action and a, and a rally call for anybody that's involved in any form of coaching type um, work in any sector, whether it's at home, whether it's at work, whether it's in society. You know, your time is now coming, and I think that's an absolutely wonderful way to, to wrap up this, this podcast. Coaching is certainly something I'm very passionate about and want to learn more about, and I'm very grateful to have a number of people in my network, including Julie, that are, are open and willing to, to talk about this topic. So please do reach out to her. If you've enjoyed this, or indeed if you haven't, please, please do um, leave some feedback at the iTunes um, store um, with regard to Value Through Vulnerability podcast. Any feedback is appreciated. It helps us grow. It helps us target. Um, the audience going forward and yeah, the more feedback we get the more data points we have to to develop and grow thanks very much